the pink aisle. I'm Henry Kathman and joining me is Emma Corey. Hello. Emma, how are you doing today? I am doing just fine. I am very much looking forward to our movie of today. Yes, we are in for a treat. You can't see it, but I am just giddy with excitement because we're about to watch Barbie as the Princess and the Popper, 2000, the 2004 classic. And as I recall, when I was a lot younger, this was my favorite of the Barbie movies. Yeah, from what I heard, this is actually a lot of people's favorite one. Like, if a Nutcracker, Swan Lake, and Rapunzel were, like, the first pre- three pre-Avengers movies, then... The phase one, if yeah, you will. Yeah, then this would be the Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. of the Barbie franchise. I mean, that's pretty apt, because it's got a lot of fun music in it. There's some... I know, this one is a musical. It's our first yeah. musical that we're so... going to watch. Yeah, this is going to be, it's very, it's going to be very interesting to see how well this thing has aged. Because on one hand, I have high hopes that it's still as good as I remember it. But then again, after seeing Swan Lake last week, I've been a little uh, hesitant, should we say, about some of these movies now. Where I'm like, where I'm a little worried, like, oh no, what if... What if this one's also boring? Yeah, well, from what I've heard, a lot of people really like this one. And I, like, I remember watching it, like, having a DVD. I think it maybe, like, might not have interest young me as much because it doesn't really have, like, the fantasy element that mm-hmm. the other ones had. Yeah. But I know a lot of people really like this one, and I am looking forward to looking through it to, through new eyes. This is actually the first one I can, like, actually remember it being advertised on TV because this one is an advertiser's uh, dream. Because yes. not only do you got the one pretty princess, you got a second pretty princess. Yeah, you got to get both Princess Annalise and Erica together. Because they have special sound chips that allow them to sing to one another. And mm-hmm. if you just have the one, it's j- you can't have them do a duet without both of them there. And so you got to have them both together. You see, I, I can't... Speak for the future, but I got a feeling by the end of this, I'm probably going to be shipping some princess on Elise and Erica. Just saying. Uh, I guess we'll have to see them. But before we get into that, as always, we're just going to do a quick run through of the crew. Uh, returning as the writers are Cliff Ruby and Elena Lesser. Uh, same as Swan Lake and the previous uh, Barbie movies we've done. I... As I said last week, I kind of theorized that the reason why their writing was a lot less pronounced than it was in Rapunzel was because they were kind of really stuck to adhering to Swan Lake's plot instead of Rapunzel's. So I'm thinking now that they're adapting Mark Twain's The Princess, The Prince and the Pauper. Oh, that's a Mark Twain story? Yeah, Mark Twain wrote the original story. Yeah, this is his legacy going in, Princess and the Pauper. I mean... 
There are better things. I mean, there are better things he could be associated with, so he could do a whole lot worse than Barbie. That is that is very true. So this is actually the first kind of thing where they did kind of like a gender bent adaptation. Yes, this would be kind of commonplace in some of their future. Yeah, because they had the Three Musketeers later Mm -hmm. on, and they also had a Christmas Carol adaptation later on. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see, but. the other more notable crew member here uh, is a new director, uh, William Lau. Yeah, William Lau has directed 10 Barbie movies, starting with this one and going all the way to 2013 with uh, Barbie, Mariposa, and the Fairy Princess. So this guy has a lot of experience, and looking at his IMDb page, most of his other stuff is a lot of stuff that he's done for... Uh, Mattel and Hasbro from like various Hot Wheel movies. Oh, he did to, a bunch of Monster High stuff. Too. Yeah, and Beast Wars, and a show called Super Dinosaur. But yeah, maybe yeah, one day we'll do Monster High stuff if we go far enough. If we go far enough, but I feel like there's going to be a lot better stuff we can go to before we get to Monster High. Mm. Woo, got got him roasting that. Monster High. Oh, God. But we'll see how uh, William Lau does at taking over the director role in this. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually curious. Who did the music for this? this uh, the music, according to this, we still have uh, Arnie Roth returning to do the score. Arnie doing the music for both Swan Lake and Rapunzel. Hmm. So, okay. yeah, it'll be interesting to see how... Arnie transitions into a musical sort of role, but uh, any like kind of notables about the voice cast, you know? Well, we got Kelly Sheridan returning as both Princess Annalise and Erica because they are both our, our Barbie archetypes. But we also should give mention to uh, Julie Stevens and Melissa Leons as the singing voices because, as we said, this is a musical, and so. Yeah. Uh, so they're voiced by the same actress regularly, but when they're singing, they got different voice actresses for yeah. both of them. So okay. Again, it's going to be interesting to see how Kelly does when differentiating these two characters, despite them having pretty similar archetypes that they're working from, while also having like a similar voice base to work yeah. from. But uh, the most other notable person here... Yeah, we got our token C-list celebrity in here with Martin Short and the I feel other like villain. I'd be initially hostile to thinking, Martin Short's not a C-lister, but then I remembered, oh, he's in the Santa Claus 3, so... The escape yeah. clause. Yeah, anyone who... Uh, Jack Frost, the non-sexy version. Well, I mean, depends on who you ask, but... <laughs> well, please, if there, um, there's got to be someone in the denizens of the internet that's oh, just they're like... most definitely. Looks at that spiky-haired man and <laughs> in a Santa Claus 3, the escape clause, oh, and it's Lord. like, hmm, need me some of that ice. Yeah, Martin Short is also notable for... A couple of other roles, like he was also in Inherent Vice, Three Amigos, Inner Space, but also, uh, if you've listened, uh, he's he's also starring as the Cat in the Hat in the most recent uh, PBS show, The Cat in the Hat knows a lot about that, and he's oh, yeah. pretty enjoyable in that role. Actually, I thought you were gonna say like the live action version. I, no, know, I was gonna be like, no. that was Michael Myers, but no, yeah, it's. Martin, is Martin Short Short the one who's an awful person, or is that the other? That's one? Martin Sheen. There's too many Martins around, and I cannot differentiate between them. I'm well, sorry. I mean, 
leaving it very open to the chance that he may have done some bad things, so, but... Man, I hope not. I hope then not. Then I'm gonna have to stop standing Jack Frost from Santa Claus 3, <laughs> the escape clause. Yeah, I suppose so. Well, I think with all that said, I think this is as good a time as any to finally jump into this movie. Yeah. Will it hold up? How good is the music? Only one way to find out. Yeah. In her first ever movie musical, The Princess and the Pauper, Barbie sings. Annalise sings of hope. When you live your dream, you'll find destiny. Erica sings of love. A song together. Just like you, you're just like me. Yes, I am a girl like you. Don't sing two songs each. Those in place sets each sold separately. All right, and we're back. So, yeah, that I was pretty impressed with that. That was a yeah pretty enjoyable. After coming off Swan Lake, which is kind of like boring to get mm -hmm. through this was a pretty thoroughly entertaining one i thought yeah i'll be i'll be honest after kind of building it up for these past couple of episodes i was a little worried that it wasn't going to hold up in my mind and i was just going to be disappointed but thankfully it's pretty good i'm yeah as far yeah. as like direct to video children's movies this is kind of like sort of about like the kind of the best kind of quality you can expect from it, you know? Yeah, I suppose so. There's a, you know, it's like it doesn't have the biggest budget in the world, but with what they do, they make like a pretty competent and entertaining story for a younger crowd. And Definitely. I mean, you got some cool Barbie stuff. Like, like we mentioned before, this is the first one in the series that doesn't have any fantasy elements in it. No, and... I think that's partially why I ended up liking this more as a kid. Not that I didn't like fantasy as a kid, but uh, the fact that it was in such a realistic setting that I could more directly relate to, it made the stakes in the characters a lot more, I don't know, visceral, and it made it feel like there was a lot more thought put into the story. Because if you have, like, a magical setting, eventually you're like, Oh, magical item that can solve everything. Yeah, we didn't have the whole thing where, like, Barbie's magic was inside her all along. Yeah. And she just needed to yeah, and I believe, think it, and then it would solve all the issues. Yeah, and it, ends, and it ends up doing a great service to pretty much all of the characters that we ended up seeing in there. But, yeah, yeah but, the, but first, the first thing we got to get into with this movie, the first thing in its favor... No stupid framing device! Yeah! We actually know this one. Uh, well, okay, fair. It's There is a narration, of. which I thought was the voice of Barbie, but it turned out it was a different voice actress. Yes. So it was just uh, a generic was, lady uh, narration. Yeah, it was narrated by, only for the first couple of minutes, by uh, Heather Halley. Yeah. And, and it is only for that opening scene. It never really Yeah, so it's... We we honestly thought it was Kelly Sheridan when it was starting off, but no, turns out it yeah. was it and, was Heather and, and no uh, opening credit sequence in this one either. Yeah, which I mean, it was that was definitely a little bit of a crap a downgrade, mostly because it was kind of just like black text with Times New Roman, and it was kind of just 
cycling through it. Yeah, but, but instead of having that, now we have an opening musical number. Yes, so. but first we got to get into the narration. So uh, long ago, in this realistic-ish kingdom, uh, there was a village high on a mountain with a large castle on there, and I guess this village just constitutes as a kingdom. Yeah, whenever, like, in a Barbie movie they say, this is the kingdom, it's usually just, it's a castle and, like, a small village next yeah. to the castle. Which, I mean, that's pretty reflective of, like, a feudal system type deal, even though this is a lot more modern. Like, they got harpsichords there, like, there's, like, I'm, I, did I imagine it? But there was, like, s street lighting with, like, I could have swore I saw a lamp. Yeah, it's sort of like, like, all of these are just kind of like a vaguely European... The fashion was <laughs> definitely, like, early 18th century stuff. Like, we'll get into Preminger, the main villain, later, but he was a grade A fop. Just oh, we will talk through. about him. Yes, later yes. On. Anyway, long ago, the narration exclaims that there was something amazing happening in this kingdom. That there were two very weird to look at babies, very ugly were, babies, very to be ugly honest. Barbie babies, that were being born. Um, one was a princess born from a king and queen, and we only see the king very briefly, but yeah, we just king kinda, does not look good. Yeah, I think it just kind of assumes that he died. Before yeah, the movie. they talk about how uh, the queen is widowed, so it's like yeah, rest, but, rip in peace. Yeah, but uh, there was also this little girl that was born in the village, mm -hmm. but her parents were poor, and they were worried that they'll never be able to provide for her. So the parents borrowed money from this seamstress named Madame Carp, causing Erica to become an indentured servant. Yeah, and we never see her parents either, so we just gotta assume they just, like, died from a horse car accident. Or dysentery, just, or, you yeah, know, they, like, don't, they don't got health care in the village. They got some syphilis, they're just... Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah, but either way, they're That's not around. That's a very real possibility. But, mm -hmm. yeah, many years passed, and the princess learns her royal duties while... Erica had to work long and hard as an indentured servant, which yeah. credit where credit's due to this movie. We thought they were kind of gonna kind of like, like sidestep some of the more like classist elements of Twain's original story, but like no, <coughs> for as much as Mattel was probably willing to do, like they do step into the fact of like, hey, check it out, people are people exploiting their workers because they have, like, monetary advantage over them. Hmm. Mm. But. Yeah. Uh, in, they, a, in a they perfect kind of, world, this movie would just end with an uprising, you know? Yeah, or, or like, uh, the main princess, Annalise, being like, all right, I've been around y'all. We abolishing the monarchy. We're we're spreading this wealth. This is ridiculous. Yeah, but this movie it doesn't really go in like the whole like where Annalise has to learn to like see things from yeah. the peasant's point of view. They end up basically taking a stance very similar to Oscar Bait, where the rich and the poor people meet and they realize, hey, we're not so different. And it kind of does sort of like, if it tried to have that message, it kind of shoots in the foot because Princess Erica does end up marrying into royalty and like living yeah. 
as a princess. And the way this movie frames it, they're kind of like, actually, being a princess is sweet. That was so much better. Yeah. Life is so much better when you actually have money. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. Well, again, it's... We'll get into that bit a little later once it comes. Yeah. But eventually, the narration continues that the royal mine has run out of gold and the city's wealth <sighs> is depleted, which... This was actually the first thing that made this movie so compelling to me was that it's like, oh, crap, there is a kingdom on the line. There's like actual tangible things that I, a, God, 2004, I would have been like 10 years old during this time. I would have been five. I would have like watched this and been like, whoa, like a kingdom's run out of money. This, that's very bad. And it, I mean, we were a few years off from the economic crash but i could understand the concept of like oh no like money running out people losing their homes mm -hmm. like that sort of thing it's like you see now i realize why this didn't captivate me as much because i would have been like a like a five-year-old and i would probably been like where's the the sparkly unicorn okay yeah it feels like something definitely geared to have more appeal towards older girls but yeah uh the widowed queen decides that in order to save her kingdom uh, from bankruptcy is that she needs to basically... Marry uh, her off to a king. Yeah, which again, that felt very period accurate to me, so I could get behind that more yeah, as a kid. Yeah, I mean, the whole, like, thing, like, with the princess, oh, she's got to marry this guy, but she doesn't want to because love and stuff yeah. is pretty standard kind of plot in yes, children's agree. fairy tale things. But either way, we got our first song of um, Annalise and Erica both having this, like, distant duet as they're singing about uh, how Annalise is like, oh, my life is so... Structured. Well oh, for... they need me to do all these things, like go to geography. And then Erica and is like, "I'm, I am literally a slave." <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it does feel a bit tone deaf in that sense, where it's yeah. kind of like, I mean, this. Wow, Annalise, it's that sure is rough. Yeah, I'm sure Mattel, her. when they were releasing this movie, is like, "Yeah, we're making a real statement here. We're talking about how bad this is." Oh, what's the status on that? Uh, Malaysian factory? Eh, keep them at the five cents okay. wage. There's well, nothing wrong there. Barbie is, if nothing, of uh, kind of upholding monarchy narratives. Like and we said monarchy before, this is capitalist narratives, yes. Yeah, like we said before, this isn't really almost like a criticism of the system in this movie, more than just like. Just wait around and believe you're in yourself until you can buy yourself out of the system. Yes, and they also uphold the idea that, oh, the system isn't bad. It's just that there are some bad apples in it. Yeah, like... One of those bad apples being Preminger, the trusted advisor. The trusted... I loved it so much when uh, she was talking about, I gotta talk to my trusted advisor, Preminger, and they go to his portrait and it's and like just... instantly... He's scowling there. And yeah, like, and it's just like, okay. Perjurer or pr pr Preminger. Preminger. Perjurer. I'm going to call him Perjurer from now on. Oh, but before, all respect to defunct land. Yeah, Kevin Perjurer, shout out. I love your stuff. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, Come on the podcast. Anyway. Don't talk to Okay. <laughs> um, maybe if they make a, make a Barbie ride at some point. I'm sure that's somewhere. I think Barbie used to be at Epcot for a little bit or something. <gasps> there we go. There we go. Okay. Barbie Epcot. We're, 
Anyway. I'll send the DM later. Okay, okay. But anyway, uh, so, uh, yeah, Preminger, Preminger struck me as one of those, like, trust fund babies that, whose parents maybe made, like, donations to the monarchy, and they're just like, oh, yeah, sure, we'll land you, your son, this cushy job, and he'll, and you just rose through the ranks and eventually yeah. landed a royal... But, advisor position by kissing the butt of the royals. But we forgot to mention the opening song. What did you think yes. of that opening song? A lot of the songs in this musical are, dare I say, Disney quality. Like yeah, they I struck mean, me as something I could hear like Alan Menken writing. Yeah, they're de- they sound very nice. Like the the lyrics, they can be kind of corny yeah, that's, sometimes. That's but I mean, kind of the weakest part. The, but. The singing voices are really nice. You got some harmonies. They got like the opening song. They got like a bridge. They got like oh yeah, there's some good a stuff. lot of great structure here, and it's very clear that like okay yeah, Arnie Roth returning as the composer, he he's got a good head on his shoulder, and he knows how to like compose a good song. Yeah. It felt like Arnie Roth was the one that was like composing the music, and the lyrics was probably put up to the writers. Yeah. I can't attest to that for sure. Does it, like, say, like, who did lyrics on it? No, they, unfortunately, most of, like, that sort of production information is kind of limited for direct-to-DVD releases like this. But regardless, I really enjoyed this song. Yeah, and we also learned that Erica, her big thing is that she wants to... Be a singer. Yep. And, well, uh... Annalise is like kind of like a science type character. Like yes. she's like interested in like identifying like plants and minerals and stuff like that. And I think that's, that was another aspect to this that I genuinely enjoyed about this. See, we like, got we got STEM major and liberal arts major uh, solidarity. In yeah, this it's like not only that, like because in my mind I always thought of like as a kid I always thought, oh Barbie, she's just like into clothes right and like when i watched some of the previous movies i i kind of was like yeah she's okay but she still struck me as like one of the very generic girly stuff in my kind of crappy 10 year old mind but with this movie i was like whoa she's into science that's not a girl thing which (laughs) yeah that again crappy 10-year-old logic going on but like yeah. it it was something that i think if you were a young boy watching this it could have opened your eyes a little bit of like oh it's it's yeah. almost as if women have their own autonomy and can do what they want yeah. even though it is kind of disappointing they never really like go that much into yeah. that aspect of Annalise pretty much the only thing about her is geology and it felt a little bit like the main reason she was a science person was because just so that they could yeah. deal with that sort of, like, they wanted plot her, info. And yeah, and they wanted on. her to be the one who could, like, identify the gems later on. But credit where credit's due, that does help reinforce the narrative of, like, oh, you can, like, it's not just looks and pure kind heart that saves people in this story. Yeah. Like, it's, it's also, money. like... It is it money. It is money, true, but it's also, like being smart and resourceful in order to acquire the money to save yeah. me. Which, again, mixed messages, but it's... Man, that Annalise, she's a self-made billionaire, huh? Yes. Because <laughs> those are things that totally exist. Uh-huh. 
Wink. Nothing helped her out at all. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, so we go to the mine shaft and it looks like all the gold that they've been missing has been has been stolen by these two lackeys. Yes. Who, a uh, surprise surprise, are working under Kevin Perjurer, so... <laughs> yes. And honestly, this... Might have been my favorite part of the movie. Yeah, the villain is definitely the most entertaining. Yes, like, with all due respect to uh, Tim Curry, Angelica Houston, and... Eh, kind of Kelsey Grammer. I don't mm. know, you're a little boy. I but... feel like uh, I liked his bird daughter better. Oh my god. <laughs> that that makes one of us. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm sure she's a lovely person. Just, they laid the laugh on it a little too thick. Sorry, but anyway, they yeah. They laid it just It turns just out, enough. yeah, Preminger has been stealing all the gold, and in and he's planning on embezzling <coughs> it so that he could eventually, uh, like present it to the queen, and marry the princess so that he could eventually become king. Yeah. And it's like, and he also, yeah. And he also said, because he has a villain song. Yes. That at first I was like, oh God, this is going to be interesting. But no. it's kind of awful, but it's also kind of amazing at the same it's time. It's very poor, unfortunate soul's life. Yeah. But Martin Short is like putting it into it. Oh, he yes, is just fi- playing it to the campiest of camp And finally, degrees. after getting the, the gay weasel and Rapunzel as a we sidekick, fi- we get a full on... Disney yep. style gay coded villain. Yes, in very this much. One. He would I could just totally picture him sitting down with Radcliffe and Hades and yeah. Jafar and just having these very catty lunches where oh they just talk God. about all their evil schemes. All over their mimosas and just all the stereotypically gay brunch stuff. Is mimosa a stereotypically gay drink? Or I mean it's a thing that's served at brunch and brunch is very stereotypically gay from what I, as a straight person, have been told by media. Oh, God. I need to eat more brunch. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, antiquated gay stereotypes aside. I they... know. He, he gets a... I feel like Martin Short plays him, like, more hammy as each scene goes by. Definitely. Like, you get the impression that Short has always wanted to be in a Disney movie, but because Disney never, like, dropped him a line, he was just like... Fine, I guess I'll take this Disney light and just, I'll sh- I'll show them, I'll show them all my Disney camps. God, my- they haven't given me the role in Jack Frost 3 yet. I mean, Santa Claus 3 yet. Is that a Disney movie? Yes, yes, it is a Disney movie. Oh, but it's produced at- by, like, ABC, so. God. But it's, it's not the main Disney House of Mouse, but, yeah, it... This is pre-Jack Frost days, so. Yeah, but... Yeah. Definitely, it was just the way that this song escalated. I like it, the lackeys uh, using the shovels as, like, dancing poles. Yeah, they were, like, for context, they were in the mines when they found the last of the gold, and that was the, that's where they had this little scene, and... Yeah, they were, like, doing a full-on Broadway villain thing, like, complete with cane dancing and just... Yeah, I kind of wish they sort of changed the visuals where they weren't just sitting in a mine, though, because it was kind of an ugly background. I mean, they did sort of do, like, 
I felt like they did the best that they could with this setting. And yeah. again, probably low budget, but they did the thing more like there was like the shadows against the wall so he could illustrate his evil plan and also like this like sort of fantasy where he's on a giant pile of gold and wooing the princess and the queen. Oh, and it's yeah, like yeah. like I feel like that just the way that it escalates and the way that it's just so over the top in camp, there's just it was very enjoyable. I, I liked it a lot. So Anyway, after that, uh we cut back to Julian who's taking Annalise for a day out into the kingdom. Yeah, and we didn't introduce Julian, so he is yeah. the love interest to Annalise and he's like her tutor. Mm-hmm. And they've she calls him her best friend. So yes. obviously they've known each other for a long time, even though there's sort of a weird power dynamic at play because he is like a he teacher He is a to teacher her. and she's a student even but though they're presumably the same age but yeah. then again she's It's like she's her, the princess so she yeah. also has power over Yeah she too, does. So. It's like but it feels like credit or credits due it feels like unlike some of the other love interests they do give a decent amount of depth mm-hmm. to both uh, Julian and uh, the king... Oh, what was that king's name? King Dominic. Dominic. Yeah, yeah. Dominic being the king Annalise's set to marry. Yeah, and they have him in a few scenes, but he's, like, disguised as a page boy. Yes. Even though it was kind of confused, because I didn't realize he was supposed to be disguised. No, they did not build that up at all. Because it's, like, it's obviously he's supposed to be that king, but it's, like... Yeah. You sort of go back to referring to him and stuff, and it's kind of, like... Okay. It was a bit confusing. Yeah, especially <laughs> since, like... Yeah, anyway. So, the... Uh, so, Julian takes Annalise out for one more day before she is imprisoned by being married, even though you could... You're becoming queen. Mm. You can do what you want. You're rich, Annalise. <laughs> I know, she's just like... Yeah, but she wanted to do her poverty tourism, so whatever. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, while they're doing this, uh, Annalise hears Erica singing out in the the square and just busking for money. And that's another thing. I mean, we talked about it in the opening number, but uh, even though Anna... uh, I'm sorry, Annalise and Erica are... Like voiced by Kelly Shering, they she does a very good job like differentiating their voices. Yeah, between Erica each other. is sort of like a bit of a lower tone. A lower tone, a little bit uses a bit more informal speech, and uh, I don't know. Sometimes is definitely a lot more sassy. Yeah, Erica actually like gets a lot more focus in the middle of this movie than Annalise does, because Annalise gets kind of like pushed to the side for a bit. Yeah. So. Yeah, I I feel like that. Probably because they, because Annalise is the most direct Barbie parallel, they were probably thinking like, well, we can throw all this sort of uh, less proper characterization on Erica. That way we can help the brand. Yeah. Because, but, I mean, anyway. Also, we forgot to mention they have cats. They have cats. That actually do do some active they things They do some the active things. They're... I mean, yeah. I feel like they're no Penelope, but they're definitely 
hitting a nice second place in the sort of hierarchy we've kind of established of for the animal sun. companions. Yeah, yeah, we got the uh, Serafina, which is the white cat. Yes. Which I remember they were seeing a lot of merchandise of her when yes. this was coming yeah. out. And then there's also Woofy, which is Erica's cat. Who, Not a lot of merchandise for him. Yeah, who uh, se- who sounds who acts like a, like dog, a dog. Which and they yeah. got a weird cat romance going on the side. Yeah, so. but we also didn't mention the evil poodle. Oh yeah, we didn't have enough. He has like, fop tropes. I know he has an even gayer poodle <laughs> with like a gold tooth, uh-huh, and he's balls. even though he talks, hey, he talks sort of like this, and he's like. You know, your stereotypical New York gangster. I would just bite on you, you little... Is that the accent they were going for? I feel like he was very the Fonz to me. I don't know. That's the impression I got. Like, what what did you think of him? I don't know. Just, like, vaguely kind of French or something like that. Or, like, Cockney is what it sounded like Maybe that was it. Like, Cockney and stereotypical New York gangster sound very... Similar in my mind. Excuse me, sir. I'm walking here. (laughs) No, I... Yeah. I I feel like it was more artful dodger. Like, Oi! I'ma... I'ma beat ya... Beat ya bum, ya... Ya mangy mongrel. Yeah, that's the... That's That's the voice. Yeah. That's the voice that you're going for. That's more... Yeah, that's actually more... See, I can only do Oliver. like in Oliver. Yeah. Yeah. But I still have no idea what happens in Oliver. <laughs> anyway, uh, you're not missing much. But the <laughs> uh, so er, Annalise hears Erica, and just as soon as she finishes her song, suddenly Madame Card bursts in, steals her money, and is like, "You're still in debt to me, girl." Also, you'll Madame, never become a singer. Also, Madame Carp was obviously like someone trying to do like an Angela Lansbury impression. Yes, very much so. Mm-hmm. Which I never saw Angela Lansbury in a lot of villainous roles, honestly. But she was Mrs. Lovett in the original Sweeney Todd. Oh, I yeah, did not know that. Like I mean, the original in... Broadway one, she was like the originator of that role. Really? Yeah. I mostly you can just... find the like the taped version of the version of the '80s that's got like her and George Hearn and like the main roles. I love that. I love Sweeney Todd. But... I mostly just know her from like Bed Knobs and Broomsticks, like Murder She Wrote. She always just struck me as like a like the grandma um, you wish you oh, had. Oh no, she she was evil in Sweeney Todd. Okay. I know. Well, I would highly my... recommend the tape version. Don't watch the Johnny Depp version because Johnny Depp is gross. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So Annalise and Erica meet each other and they're like, OMG, we could be practically sisters. Yeah. We're like, just. Yeah. And before. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I was ready to start shipping, but then they had to make it weird. And I With was the like, sisters and it's just like, like uh, okay. This I has got to like... be a head adventure from now on. I get it, movie. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They actually. That don't. Felt... Go ahead. That fe- maybe that was kind of the intention. Maybe I don't, I don't know. know. What, what they we... don't. They don't actually really interact that much in this no, movie. No, they don't. It's they kind of mostly just passively interact through like their various emissaries and allies and stuff, but rarely ever directly. Aside from this very first scene yeah. where they sing probably the most famous song in this movie, the yeah. "I'm Just Like You," and like this was the song that was in. E- like, all the advertising, this was the song that they put into, like, the doll so that you could have the special duet. Mm-hmm. And it's all about how, like, 
hell, we're not that different at all. Yeah. Even though Erica's talking about, like, oh, if I want breakfast, I have to, like, go get the eggs myself. I have to bu- spend money on it. And... and then Annalise is like, I got everything doing for me. I got everything is done for me. Yeah. But I'm also sad because it's stifling. <laughs> yeah, but but also Erica's just like, well, it's not that bad. I'm, like, she feels she's way too apologetic. Like, yeah. Almost as if she wants to, like, appease this princess, which makes sense. She's probably like, oh, but I'm not too unhappy, your highness. No. Yeah, like I said, we eventually, like I said, this movie isn't really questioning these power structures more than just, like, reinforcing them. But, yeah, but they tell, the song's nice enough, but, God, that song was such an earworm when I was, like, a young kid. Like, it was very stuck in my... Yeah, it was very stuck in my head when I... Yeah, I I noticed, like, even though I didn't have... I actually had more memories of this movie than I thought. Like, when I listened to the songs, I was like, Oh, I remember these tunes. They're in my head. But... Yeah. Yeah. It's -hmm. it's a decent song. Uh, Honestly, I liked the first song a lot better. Like... God, I definitely it, think the first song was the strongest song. Definitely the strongest song. Mostly because it was like, it felt like, it definitely reminded me of like the standard Disney I want song. But I think the added bonus of it being about two people and like talking about, like it was a lot of very efficient storytelling because it yeah. talked about who these characters are, what they want to do. And like, it did seem like as the movie went on, the songs kind of became less in quality. Like the first three songs, like the opening, like the villain's song is pretty fun. And then this one are pretty good. But the, the last songs they have are just kind of like the last. "Eh." Yeah. Well, we'll get to that. So Mm -hmm. soon, uh, soon Julian comes back and stumbles upon the two of them. And he drops this, these two hot beverages, which I don't know if they were beer or cider or whatnot, but... I did not notice these beverages. Well, he... Because he drops them when he notices that... Because he's like, oh my god, you look exactly the same, except... The hair. Yeah. Because Erica's got the brown hair. Because you gotta... Because you gotta get the blonde doll and the brown hair doll, because mm-hmm. they're different, so you, now you have to buy And one has is pink, and one is blue. Yes, true. That's a very important distinction. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I, my vague memories of this, I thought, oh, this is when they're gonna think to switch with each other. And, you know, just so that she can be more free, and so that Erica can be in the lap of luxury for a bit. Mm-hmm. But, no! They just, uh, Erica stays behind, yeah. and Annalise and Julian head back to the palace. Yeah, the actual, like, sort of imitation plot kind of happens, like, independently of their own will for it happen. Yeah. This isn't a, let's switch places to experience each other's lives story. This is a more like a, someone is trying to murder this girl, so yeah, we so need to find like, out what to do. Again, there's, like, stakes, and there's, like, actual, like... A lot of agency being put on display within these characters, and I think that's what ended up making this so appealing to me. But eventually, uh, later that night, oh, we forgot to mention one last thing. Uh, there was they were talking about oh, we're so similar except for the brown hair, 
and Annalise shows off this royal birthmark that looks like a crown, mm-hmm. and which is just like on her shoulder. And it. I love whatever. convenient birthmarks; they're my favorite. Yeah, trope. like how how unfortunate would that be if that was like on her inner thigh or like no, her yeah. or like her belly button or something like that. That, yeah. that. Every time someone gets like a birthmark in a movie, they always make it cute. Like in like Ready Player One, oh. there were there like she has this hideous birthmark, but it's like a cool birthmark on her yeah. face, and it's like, all right, or like a port wine stain, and it's like okay, yeah, or we... like a or just like the beauty mark, yeah, or like everyone has like nice looking scars that make them look cool, not yeah. Well, God sell the doll, sell the dolls. Yes, but later that night, the two henchmen lure out. What's the cat's name again? Uh, Serafina. Serafina. And they capture her in order to lure out Princess Annalise. Yep. And that's when they kidnap them. With the sack of holding. Yes. It's your very stereotypical cartoon burlap sack that can somehow hold everything. Yeah. Just full people-sized sacks. Full people-sized sacks. What? I mean, that was probably a lot more common in that era because you got transport large grain. That was before cardboard was created. So... Mm. Stands to reason, but this premature preminger uh, leaves a secret note saying that she's run away. Mm-hmm. And the next day, uh, they reveal the note when the ambassador to the other kingdom has arrived mm-hmm. alongside this page that is secretly King Dominic. Mm. Oh, also, just He's not in this movie a lot, but shout out to, like, the royal ambassador and how he's keeping the status quo. He of speaks the... with a lot of harumphs. Yes. He just speaks so properly. Every... Like, I could never imagine. Every Barbie movie. Speaking of people, uh, we forgot to mention that the Swedish chef from Rapunzel also lives yes. in this village. Yes, the <laughs> Swedish chef from Rapunzel. Like, we see him in this chase scene when the poodle was... Uh, chasing Serafina through the marketplace, and that's how Serafina and uh, Woofy meet, and that they have their meet cute. Well, like this just like goes to my theory that this is all just like one shared universe. Like, I, I'm I'm more along the lines that uh, this kingdom is in set in the future from the Rapunzel kingdom. Wait, what if it's what if it's like a Legend of Zelda situation where like Barbie keeps on getting like reincarnated, reincarnated into and different e- princesses? And, and the villainous spirit is being passed over from one yeah. the most campy person around. Yes, and the can is just like the same bland white guy born over and over again. And, and the, sometimes and the chef. their souls yeah. And the chef is like an immortal trickster that's been observing. See, the, this is our fan theory now. Yeah. We're so gonna put it to put it on the now. You thought you could hide the truth from us, but it shall be revealed. So, yeah, uh, the... Beat that Pixar theory. (laughs) So, eventually, um... God, I forgot about the the Pixar theory, but... So, credit to Julian. Uh, He suspects something is up with Preminger, and he thinks that mostly because the letter that on... Uh, "Quote unquote," Annalise left behind, uh, smelled of lilac. And in the scene when they're walking throughout the market together, they talk about, "Oh, rose is my favorite flower," and it's like decent setup and payoff. Like it, 
like in a lesser movie they wouldn't go to such depths to like reestablish these sort of things. So Julian begins to investigate, but first he enlists the help of Erica so that uh while he looks for the real princess, uh she can work in her stead that way uh the wedding can still go on and uh the kingdom can still be protected because the ambassador puts on a kind of arbitrary time limit for yeah. like if she does not show up by the end of the day, we shall remove this treaty. And he's like, wow, sure is convenient. I met this girl that looked exactly like the princess just a day before that Definitely. can help me out. And she, when she comes, she thinks that the like the princess is gonna because the princess when she, Annalise when she left her told her that she would like help her with her singing career. Yes, like, let her sing at the palace, and so she's all excited like, oh my god, I'm gonna. Do the thing, but they, he's like, nope. Nope, you gotta, like, you gotta jump straight into this political theater right you now. You gotta get married. Yeah. Okay. So, so, yeah, he brings her to the castle, and he kind of, like, he gives her a blonde wig, which somehow she's, like, able to, like, she has a full head of hair this as big as the wig, and she's somehow able to, like, hide Keep it that. all under there. Yeah, yeah, which, as someone who's worn wigs, that, that sounds very painful, and I'm, that's coming from someone with short hair. Like, you got to keep that wig cap very oh, tight, yeah. and it can, like, like grade on the longer you wear it. She just, doesn't even put it in a wig cap. It's just somehow, like, fits It's just over on the cap. Head. Yeah, so it's, like, well, I mean, limited animation, but still. Yeah. But so they have a song, which is probably the weakest this song. This is definitely the weakest song. Where like, Julian is telling her... How to be a princess. Yeah, you gotta do, like, a pier when. You gotta, like, never fall. But also they, like, say subtle things like, oh, you can never feel things. And, like, you have to always be proper. Oh, and, you, and I'm like, okay. Can I think this Julian guy isn't, like, good to be around people? <laughs> well, I, I kind of saw that as, like, oh, okay. This feels like the sort of thing that, like, Annalise might have been talking about how, like, oh, it feels stifling to be that. And I feel like if the movie went more into the whole, like, these high expectations that society places on, like, people in power, like... Yeah, but except... It, especially like, women in power, like, that's Except Erica seems to, like, love being a princess, though. Yeah. She gets to, like, take a bath. She gets to, like... And she actually ends up liking the king when she meets him and wants to... Mary, I almost wondered if it would have felt more complicated if, like, she, like, didn't want to, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But, like, she seems like she's pretty happy with her situation. Yeah, and, you I know, mean, she's that was no always longer... kind of the appeal of the Prince and the Pauper story. It's like, like, maybe one day you could be... Switched places with this rich person that conveniently looks like you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how you'll get wealth, kids. Yeah, and forgot to mention, while this was all happening, uh... Annalise is being kept at this, like, cabin out in the woods. Mm-hmm. And she had, a. Uh, they had kicked out Serafina, but Serafina had gotten back in with the help of this uh, German-French horse. Well, he counts in French, so I'm sure he is, I'm pretty sure he's French, but... He, yeah, yeah, also, um, all the other horses in this movie have, like, realistic eyes and horse faces, but there's just this one this guy just horse has, like cartoon eyes. Yeah, it's like that one Tumblr uh, post where they talk about 
oh, you can tell who's a furry and who's not by how they draw their dogs. <laughs> and they show, like, the non-furries just, like, the very cute dog with, like, the black eyes. And they're yeah, like... Yeah, but if you give them big old anime but eyes... They, yeah, the furries like... give them anime eyes and, like, like sort of human lips, but not really. Uh-huh. And their mouths are usually closed. Yeah, it is sort of like a thing because the... the um. The realistic-looking horses never talk, so we just gotta assume that in the hierarchy of this world, like cartoon, cartoon animals have, have like higher intelligence. Yeah, like they're like intelligent beings, but then there's like non-intelligent. It's like the uh, Pluto slash Goofy dynamic, definitely, where you can't really think of the larger implications of this world, or else you're gonna be going down a very deep and dark rabbit hole that you do not want to venture in. Yeah, yeah, but. Uh, eventually, Erica, after sating the fears of the queen and, like, ambassador and king, like, she comes in and she's like, oh, yep, I'm here. Although she did have, like, a, an interesting pratfall moment. So I do mm-hmm. appreciate, like, okay, I appreciated that they didn't do the whole thing of, like, oh, she immediately knows how to act thing instead of it being, like, mm-hmm. oh, like, yeah. years of... For all their their uh, faults, I am glad they didn't do a thing where they were like, wait a second, it turns out she was secretly royalty the whole time. Yeah, I was kind of waiting for that twist too because they yeah. did, built it up with like, oh, we could be sisters. Yeah, I did think they were going to like maybe do like a sister's twist at the last minute. Yeah, but, but thankfully yeah. not. Yeah. Uh, but uh, later she's taking a bath and she... and. Uh, Rufy's trying to meow because... Did you just call him Rufy? Woofy. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Was it calling him Rufy the whole time? No, I okay. think just then. <laughs> just then. Well, because he was trying to bark and... Erica ensures him, no, I like you just the way you are. And she sings this song, which honestly is just me with my cats, just like singing this song. Singing a song of love, which is like, that was also, that was, I would say, at this point in the movie, uh, beginning song, first place, villain song, second place, duet, eh. Honestly, this song kind of ties with the duet for me. Yeah, me too. Mostly because uh, Erica's singing voice actress, uh, which is uh, Julie Stevens. She has a very nice voice, and she did a very good job. Yeah, Erica, this is definitely part where Erica almost comes more in focus. Yeah, Because Annalise is kind of like in the captive state. But she like, and she also gets a lot more singing time than Annalise does. Which, I mean, makes sense because she is supposed to be the singer. Yeah. All that stuff. But anyway, while this is happening, uh, Annalise, and while uh, Julian has a lead because he, like, finds, like, a piece of pine on Perjurer's shoes, so he goes to the the woods he knows where it came from. And at yes. the same time, Annalise actually managed to very easily thwart the incompetent henchmen Definitely. to get away. We didn't really talk about the henchmen. They are no. also a blonde and brunette. Yeah. Player. I mean, we talked about them a little bit in the villain song. Yeah. But they Only are the blonde one is really dumb. The blonde That's one the... is so dumb. And yeah. yeah. I, I mean, know. they're it, fun, they're fun characters. They're fun characters. There's definitely not a whole lot to them, but it's 
again, it's nice that they have, like, some level of, like, I don't know, maybe it felt like they could have easily been, like, some sort of magical animals that was helping them out. But I think the fact that they made Well, he's people... already got the poodle sidekick, so... Yes, but the poodle sidekick is a little incidental, because they need, like... A... It felt like they just had him in so that they could add, like, a secondary conflict for the cats to yeah, deal with. Yeah, the cat subplot. But... Uh, I feel like every movie should have a cat subplot going on. <laughs> I don't know. That's how we get... Uh, what was the boss cat... Nine Lives. Don't talk about that movie. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. So, uh, Annalise actually manages to escape during this. Mm-hmm. And by... And this is sort of where they establish, oh, she's, like, she's, like, really smart because she makes a fake ghost with the help of the cat. They don't explain how they cause it to, like, float, but she... Like, she says, there's a ghost in here, and uh, they throw the sheet on the two sidekicks, and she manages to escape Mm -hmm. uh, using uh, the carriage with uh, Hervé the horse, the the furry horse. Uh, But, (laughs) and after this occurs, uh, that's when Preminger comes back, followed by Julian. And this is something I appreciated, because... If she was still there, uh, Preminger would have known that Erica's definitely an imposter. But with this, it adds a little bit of intrigue and, like, everyone trying to figure stuff out. And I thought that added a bit of narrative depth to it. Yeah. But Anyway, as soon as she escapes, Julian gets his ass kidnapped. So. Yes. Yes. Well, not before uh, one of the blonde henchmen tries to impersonate the princess mm. in order to throw off the scent of Preminger. So that they don't know that she escaped. Yeah. Um, but it helped to make uh, Preminger somewhat, like, more menacing. Because it's like, oh, okay. He kind of... Pretty much everyone in this movie suspects something is up most of the time. With the exception of the queen. But they kind of account for that by having Julian steal her glasses. So that she can't immediately tell her daughter's face. Which, okay. Yeah. Good job, movie. You... They put thought into this. But, yeah, Julian's captured, and uh, Annalise tries to uh, go back to the castle, but the guards won't let her in because they don't believe that she is actually the princess. Because they're like, we just saw the princess eating dinner because Erica is still impersonating Mm -hmm. her. So she has to go back to the village where Madame Carp stumbles upon her and uh, drags her back to the... Uh, seamstress place and where she's and soon Madame Carp starts telling off against the other seamstress woman that was working there who's friends with Erica which she doesn't really get a whole lot to do. Yeah you would think they would have like scenes of like now that they got Erica uh, I mean Annalise and Erica's place of her like trying to do Erica's job but like that doesn't really happen. I mean they kind of do that a little I mean, later. Yeah, but, but they don't go super into it. No, which I thought was kind of supposed to be... Th- that is kind of supposed to be the whole point of the story where, like, uh, with the prince and the pauper, it's about the prince learning about, like, the lower classes and how he needs to be a better king to help out the people that he's supposed to serve. So it's yeah. one of those things. But... 
but yeah, Madame Carp puts her back to work after uh, Annalise tells her off for being mean to the other seamstresses, mm-hmm. and uh, Madame Carp doesn't believe her when she says that she's the princess, so uh, yeah, she's imprisoned again. Yeah. And, but she is able to send Serafina back to the palace uh, with one of with the tag. With the with the tag from the seamstress and attached her, to her ring. Yeah, mm-hmm. which okay, that's good efficient storytelling again, because it's like it's better than like just writing a message, because how would we know it was her? But adding the ring and the it's again very efficient storytelling on the writer's part, yeah. which gotta give them credit. And while this is happening, uh, Erica has her romantic moment with the King Dominic. Yeah, that's another thing about this movie. It feels like so, like we kind of just jump back and forth between each place, but because uh, things are decently efficient in how they lay out, like, the characters and, like, the plot structure, it, I feel like if this movie was more poorly written it would be a bit more confusing given how they jump from location to location and character to character so many times but Mm -hmm. you're right prince dominic comes forward and says oh i was the page the whole time because i wanted to get to know the real you which okay (laughs) i mean again this felt this was not very well exclaimed here like it felt like it felt like they could have had, like, a bit more dialogue between him and the ambassador and talking about how, like, are you sure this is a good idea to impersonate a page? It's most improper, your majesty. Yeah, we don't really get a whole lot of development from Dominic. He's yeah, kinda... Dominic is kind of just... He's, like, a, get the he's imp- a nice guy. Yeah, we get sort of light... He reminds me of the prince in the ABC family production of Rogers and Hammerstein's uh, Cinderella, the one with Brandy and, oh, I remember. and Jason Alexander. I had that on VHS. That, that, that also, that movie also holds I, up. I was obsessed with Cinderella as a child. Like, yeah, but that will have to be a different podcast, but yes. they, these are both princes that like have a thing for disguising themselves so that they could mingle with the, I guess, the downstairs crowd. Yeah, we never really learned that much about, like, because a lot of the former kind of Barbie love interests that are princes, there are usually some kind of, like, angst going on. Like, I gotta live up to my father or something. And it's like... I mean, Julian does have some of that angst because he also is uh, romantically interested in Annalise. And because in the... This is how you be a princess song. Like, he ends up going on this tirade about, oh, she has beautiful eyes and she's such a kind soul and she's smart. And it's just like, okay, at least they're, like, mutually pining for each other. It's a lot less one-sided than some of these other uh, Barbie movies. Nutcracker! (laughs) I love you. (laughs) Anyway, they are having their romantic moment and they, they have their, oh... Is this love song where they're talking about how like, oh, maybe we're falling in love and Yeah, they kinda hang out for the day and they're like, Well, I mean, you're the only positive interaction I've had in my life to be honest. So Yeah. 
I mean, at least. Well, oh, on Erica's part, I yeah, fair enough. I mean, yeah, I guess Erica had. I guess the seams, the other seams, which just were nice to her. Yeah, I imagine it's probably not a whole lot going for her. So yeah, that's yeah. going pretty good for Erica, except she's feeling pretty conflicted because Julian is nowhere to be found. Mm-hmm. She's still she's set to marry the king, and she's feeling very conflicted because it's like. Because uh, he's like, you don't hide anything or something like yeah, that. Yeah, she's talking about how, like, you speak your mind and you're so forthcoming and I've never met a woman like that. And it's like, cool. Mm. Probably because they're too busy kissing your butt, royal baby. <laughs> no. But Yeah. So she is kind of like, well, they did kind of just, like, leave her in this situation. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like the way the plot structure feels like they're trying to make sure that, like, all of the characters have some uh, level of agency in how they deal with these difficult situations. Like, sure, they might not have control in, like, like they were thrust into, like, this whole switching situation by uh, Preminger, but they still, like, demonstrate some competency and, like, stuff like that. Okay. Speaking of Preminger, uh, Preminger soon stumbles upon Serafina, and he is the one to find Annalise in the seamstress place. Mm-hmm. So he takes her to the mine, saying, I will take you to the palace. And she doesn't suspect anything's up on the way to the mine, but okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. And she realizes, you're behind this. And he just throws her in the mine with Julian. Yeah, who's also there. Mm-hmm. And, and credit to Preminger, decent plan on his part. Uh, he's a, definitely the most adaptable of the villains that we've seen so far, mostly because he doesn't have a whole magical MacGuffin mm-hmm. to aid him. He has to mostly rely on, like, his cunning and planning. Yeah. But he has the two henchmen collapse the whole mine shaft while stealing her ring to fake her death, or supposedly fake her death because he doesn't care if she loves it or dies, so yeah. yeah. Uh, But he delivers her ring to the court, and uh, he reveals Erica as an imposter. And Erica is thrown in the dungeon, and uh, she has her whole, I didn't mean to lie to you. Uh, yeah. Dominic. And, and they, like, accuse her of being, like, the one the mastermind, mastermind behind Like, the, that she, like, murdered them and stuff. That she m- murdered them so that she could take over, which, I mean, I guess, but also, like, ha- that's a lot of planning for someone that low in terms of, like, their resources and stuff. Yeah, I think they also said that Julian was working with her, or... Yeah. yeah, no, yeah, they, they did say yeah. that Julian was working. Okay, that actually makes sense. Yeah. Like, he blames Julian on the whole thing. And, on yeah, good planning on Prigerman's part. Prigerman? Uh, Pre- Pre- Preminger. <laughs> this is a we- That's a weird name. I, uh, hang on, I'm just gonna quickly Google Preminger as okay. a name. Like, how common is this thing? Oh. Oh, no. It's a surname of Jewish origin. Oh, no, no! Mattel! No! no! 
God. There is some rabbit holes you just should not no, go down. Dang it. Dang it. Um, we were no. talking about how he's such a cunning villain. Oh, uh, no. God. Um, you are not immune to propaganda. No. Gosh darn it. Okay. That's it. Let's, uh... This is bears to bear justification for what could be potentially casual anti-Semitism, but he does share the name with Otto Preminger, who was a famous Hungarian film director. Maybe? I mean, he directed Carmen Jones, The Anatomy of Murder. Like, he's an acclaimed director, so maybe? Maybe someone on this film just really did not like Otto Preminger. Maybe so. Well, I mean, Preminger in real life was a pretty bad person. If you want to read what happened in Carmen Jones, uh, he had an affair with the main star Dorothy Dandridge. And because of that, she had to get a studio-mandated abortion. Oh, God. Which led to her eventual suicide. Yeah, I think we're getting off topic right now. Yeah, we are right getting now. way off topic. We're going in. So this sorry. is our Bob, our Barbie podcast. Yeah, I'm Let's sorry. Just, uh... But maybe that was the inspiration for Preminger's name. Yeah. Yeah. That so that's kind of dark. Yeah. So Either way, it's kind of questionable. It's a little questionable. Questionable. Okay, let's uh, just... Uh... Anyway, anyway. So, um... Yeah, with uh, Annalise supposedly dead and Erica thrown in the dungeon, Preminger comes forward to the queen and says, well, unfortunately, there's no way to save the kingdom, except I've come into a bit of wealth on my own side hustle. And, and she never thinks to question exactly yeah. where he got all this wealth. Yeah, where you got all this wealth. Like, as a royal advisor, it feels like that's something you gotta disclose if yeah. you're in a position of government. Yeah, you know? especially if you're just, like, suddenly, like, hey, I just happen to be richer than the queen. Yeah, it's it, it's always important to be suspicious of any government officials that don't disclose their personal wealth. <laughs> anyway, so she, he goes forward and is like, oh, if we marry one another uh, and I become king and I can give up all my wealth and we can save the kingdom. Yeah. To which he also get a, get a reprise of his villain song. Yeah. So. so again, very poor, unfortunate soul's light, but it's effective. Yeah. Definitely the way that short plays it, it's like... It's very entertaining. He, he does some, some big yelling in this. Just Definitely. I mean, it's clear that he's not as much of a singer. It's mostly him just speaking very loudly and camply, but yeah. it's still very enjoyable. But either way, just to kind of get through it, this is sort of where we're going to the action climax. Yes. So uh, Annalise confesses her feelings to Julian in mm -hmm. the While mines. they're in the mine shaft. But he's like, well, what can I give you? I'm not a king. And she's but like, she finds there are geodes that are in the mind, and it's like, oh, you're unassuming, but on the inside... You're a rock. You're a rock, but also a pretty rock on the inside. <laughs> yeah, the, the rocks have, like, these, like, amethysts inside them and yeah, stuff. Yeah, so it's so. like, so cool, special, like, making use of her science background. So good, 
good on you, Mattel, I guess. But yeah. Uh, so uh, essentially, they're in there, and the the Wolfie and the anime horse come, and they they uh, he suspect he realizes something is wrong, and he rides off to the mines, and is able to get a scent for uh. Serafina, I think, which is... Yeah, Serafina uh, is also in the mine, I forgot. Yeah, they kind of... That's the thing with the cats, they kind of just are in the background, unless they're plot relevant. But but he he starts digging where he stumbles upon an abandoned mine shaft, which, ooh, hey, Kingdom, if a cat could dig that up, you might want to... This cat must weigh, like, 50 pounds, because he, like, crashes through the ceiling. Yes, and he is able to... uh, and he finds the mine shaft. Yeah, and so they, they essentially end up creating this big hole in the cave floor on top of Annalise and Julian. And Seraphina. they had been digging to try and get out, but they actually had, like, struck some water that yes. was beginning to flood. So they are able to get in a barrel, Donkey Kong style. Yep, and, and they slowly ride the water back up to the surface. So it's like, okay, being resourceful, good on you, movie. Like... Again, they don't utilize magical MacGuffins in order to solve their problems. They actually have to rely on or their intellect like and stuff. like the magic was inside you all along. No, all the only true to... magic is knowledge and STEM experience. Uh, or like the only magic is the love between a heterosexual man and woman. <laughs> but anyway, uh, the wedding is soon to be on as Preminger is wearing this very white weird tux and he's admiring himself in the mirror during the ceremony. Oh yeah, he's like, oh man. Oh, and we forgot to mention Erica's escape because oh, yeah, Erica she... manages to sing the guard to sleep while she constructs a hook to get his keys with straw and a pin in her hair. So again, characters getting out of their situation through their own intellect mm-hmm. and using their resources effectively. And uh, as she's running out, she uh, is captured by one of the guards, but another guard steps in and is like, I was asked to take her to the royal palace myself, to which the sleepy guard is like, all right. <laughs> and so, event, but it turns it's, out... It's Dominic. It's, it's Dominic. King Dominic. And, yeah, and Erica points out, you have a thing for disguises, which is like, I mean, you no. only did it twice. Yeah, and she's one to talk because she did the ultimate disguise. Yeah, so. I, I mean, maybe that was kind of intentional, like Probably. a little joke, but yeah, but or maybe you, she's kink shaming him. I don't know, but the uh, or maybe that's her saying that she's into that kink because they they have yeah. similar kinks. Yeah. Okay. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> but uh, they both run in on the wedding just as Annalise and Julian are running in and revealing he's behind it all and they tried to kill me. And this causes Preminger to uh, run away. Oh, and... we get a horse chase sequence. Yeah, but but first, uh, Nick and Nack are disposed of by Annalise and Erica by tripping them. That's their names? Yeah, Nick and Nack are the two... Uh, the two henchmen to Preminger. Oh, okay. And, uh, and the evil dog, uh, 
is dealt with by attacking the cats, and they dodge out of the way, and he loses his gold tooth in Oi, the process. Yes, my tooth. He. Oh no! You got my tooth, sir. How can I deal with my foppish, very heavily coated gay attitude without my golden tooth? Oh god. So, uh, and as coincidentally enough, uh, Preminger is running away on her bay, the anime horse, and uh, wasn't somehow... there like a, a horse dating sim that was like a horse but with like a man face? And it was a dating sim. Probably. Am I remembering I'm not, this? I'm remembering. You might be this thinking right of Hatoful Boyfriend. No, which is, there. No. I know Hatoful Boyfriend. There was a different dating sim oh, that was no. like. Uh, imagine a centaur, but like just the head, like the. T- that will be something for the listener to find later. I will. I will. Fi- I will find it later and show you. But we'll get, put it in the description. But getting back to it, uh, Hervé yeah. has a change of heart and turns around. Which is, and manages to dispose of Preminger, which kind of makes the previous scene where both Julian and Dominic get on horses and chase after Preminger, I guess. Yeah. Like, they ended up just not doing anything. Yeah. We were hoping that he was just going to throw him, like, off off the the cliff. cliff And just... But but Barbie isn't edgy enough for that yet. So maybe one day they'll actually, like, kill one of these villains here. I thought like, they, they were gonna even have to like full on kill. They could just be like, oh, fall like, down like they can do like the Disney thing where they like kind of like accidentally kill themselves. I thought they had killed Rothbart in the last one, but then the last scene they were like, no, no he's he a just, cuckoo clock. He is a clock. clock. But no, instead, uh, Hervé runs him back into the palace and he throws him off and he lands in the wedding cake. Woo! But um. Yeah, I mean, it's a wedding. You gotta have, like, the wedding cake thing hit the villain, like... Yeah. Uh, Either way, we are towards the end of the movie where Annalise essentially tells her mom, I want to marry Julian, but the mom is like, that's great, hon, but we need uh, some cash money right now. Yeah, we gotta... Like, we gotta be able to help fund the infrastructure here, or else the peasants are gonna revolt, and you don't want to have to deal with the guillotine, honey. Uh, but, uh, but, oh wait, this, the epilogue is narrated by the same narrator at the very beginning. See, I just don't remember anything. I just... Yeah, it's weird. This movie, as much as I enjoyed this movie, it just kind of, like, blazes by you, and it's... yeah. Uh, but, so they explained that, oh, because of the geodes that they found in the mine, they they were able to find a new industry to create wealth with, which, yeah. uh, okay, I'm, I'm surprised that none of them, it wasn't a point for, like, none of the miners were like, yo, give us a bigger cut. No, <laughs> or but remember, like, this isn't about no, questioning the system, this you gotta is about... It. Thriving through the system. Mm-hmm. Oh, but, that's what it is. Uh, but... Yeah, so, uh... Oh, Annalise ends up... Marrying Julian, but... Erica is initially not going to marry Julian. I mean, Dominic. Dominic. And she's like, I've been, Now that my debt's paid through the princess, I'm gonna finally achieve my dream of becoming a singer. Yeah. And, and then they're like, well, she did that. Now she can get married. Yeah, which... Like, they do that thing where, like, 
um, they do that thing where it's, he's like, well, if you ever change your mind, here's this engagement ring. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I feel like, okay, cool. Dominic is like, Dominic is nice enough to appreciate the agency of her, but also, you know, the singer thing and queen thing, that's not mutually exclusive. Yeah. Like, Erica, do you, I'm sure you could make bank off of your story. Like, if you were to tour it, like, oh, she was a common seamstress. Then, oh, now she's a queen and she's a singer. Come pay us to see her sing. Like, that's, mm-hmm. like, you could make Maybe some money it's off. like, maybe they're like real royal family rules that once you get married into it, like, you can't have any public life outside of being in the royal family. Oh, God. That... Like how Meghan Markle had to, like, stop being an actress. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so maybe it's that situation. Yeah. I mean, monarchy's trash. Exactly. Yeah, anyway. Redistribute the wealth. Anyway. Okay, uh, so they have. They de- then decide to have a double wedding with two kegs and two flower a girls. A pink and a blue. Oh, yeah. There are, like... They are... There are some chillins in this one, some children's. Yes. But they're not nearly as prominent in the other ones. Yes. They're, they did not make dolls for them, even though they are in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did make... Oh, that's interesting. Uh, so they made, an, they made, like, four Annalisa dolls. One of them could do the singing... But another was a ballerina. Yeah, and they made an Erica ballerina one too. Which you ever wonder? Maybe like early on they were wanting this to be another like ballet movie, but it ended that, up changing at some point. Yeah, I suspect so because so ballet is a lot easier yeah. to incorporate into oh, a yeah. movie. Is there a Prince and Proper ballet? Maybe. Um, I'm not sure. But regardless, uh. They end up all getting married, the monarchy still reigns, and they live happily ever after as Serafina and Wolfie end up having a bunch, a of, bunch of kittens, which, of course, the girl ones look like Serafina and the boy ones look like... It's all Lady and the Tramp, a dichotomy. Yeah, yeah. but what are you gonna do? Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, that's Princess and the Popper. Like, yeah. Do you think it, like, held up to... I definitely think it held up. Um, interestingly enough, I don't know. Honestly, it's kind of tying with me with Rapunzel. Yeah. Like, in terms of the hierarchy we've kind of established, uh, I feel like Swan Lake is kind of dead last, then Nutcracker, then... I I don't know. It's it's hard for me to tell which one I like better, because on one hand... The more grounded goals and, like, setting help help it feel like there's some more stronger characterization. Yeah. And because they have, like, a larger cast, it, I don't know, it, it made it a lot more interesting. Yeah, I but, feel like Princess of the Popper was, like, more entertaining, but I feel like uh, Barbie Rapunzel had better morals. Yes, and, like, and it was a lot... It. It felt like it stuck in your mind a lot more than Princess and the Popper. Yeah, Princess and the Popper. I mean, it's like a pretty fun movie, but like I've kind of been saying, it does have like some tri- kind of troubling implications in the message where it doesn't really try to paint a yeah. picture of like, hey, maybe the monarchies should be uh, do something about poor people being exploited. It's yeah, just like it's like it's one of those things where like 
Because, like, Mattel, literally the solution in the end is for her to just, like, marry out of it. Yeah, then, like, yeah. I mean, or, it felt like Mattel had a, they had an opportunity to, like, go there and potentially, you know, listen, woke corporations, it's something to be skeptical about, but it felt like it's something that should be somewhat welcomed because that can at least bring out some sort of positivity. But yeah. it felt... It just kind of felt like, even though there was, like, a very compelling, like, plot in terms of, like, the villains, like, plans and, like, how they get out of it, it did feel, like you said, like, it felt like it was kind of just playing it safe in terms of the morals yeah, and the I mean, ideas it definitely, before. Yeah, it just goes to think, well, we got rid of this one bad lady, so I guess the system is okay. Yeah. It's like, all right. Yeah, so... I mean, I think, but, I mean, the songs are good. The songs are very the good. The characters are pretty decent. Yeah. There's uh, some fun Preminger, bad implications aside, still He's a very a, enjoyable campy role. That, yeah, definitely more enjoyable than the previous villains. Yeah. I, thought. I don't know. I kind of, Angelica Houston still did a decently yeah. good job, but I will say he's by far the best villain yeah. in this movie's in the mo- these movies so far. Definitely. So, I mean, I guess that's kind of all there is to yeah, say. Yeah, pretty much. A uh, lot shorter episode than some of our previous ones. Yeah. Not by a whole lot, but still, I I still definitely would recommend this one Yeah, to I mean, if you, like, enjoyed it as a kid, you'd probably still enjoy it now, yeah. I would imagine. And as an adult, you'll probably not be as enjoyable as maybe Rapunzel is, but I still think that there is, in terms of, like, how you want to structure out a movie and stuff like yeah, that, I think there's so many like, things you can three straight about. movies of the formula of framing device, fantasy thing, ballet dances. Yeah. It's, like, having this one be, like, a musical and be a bit, like, it be not in a fantasy setting, it kind of felt like a bit of a breath of fresh air. Yes, I agree. It definitely, like, you almost got the impression that after Swan Lake came out, like, Mattel was like, okay, we can't keep doing this. Like, it could have been very easy for them to constantly stick to this formula, but they were probably thinking, well, if we keep on making the same movie over and over again, like, eventually yeah. kids are going to stop watching them. So and we got to, like, differentiate. And we did get out. some more, like, variations because I think the next one is uh, the first Fairytopia movie, right? Yeah, that's as good a place to go. Next is going to be Barbie Fairytopia. So. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to this one. Cause Definitely. Because this one sort of takes the... The Fairytopias are almost like sort of like their own individual yeah. movie series, like spinoff thing. Yeah, this is when we're going to be finally getting into like some original, yeah. like story. And this time. one has like sequels and stuff. And, like... Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how Mattel goes about this. Okay, but so until then, uh, I will give a Barbie Princess and the Popper. Uh, yes, four, give your rating. Uh, three geodes out of five. Three geodes. I would have to rate it four geodes out of five, right. honestly. For well, me. maybe that, like that... three and a half geodes. Yeah, because you can crack them in half and yeah. all that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and the half displays the beauty that's inside. Yeah. So, uh, Emma, uh, where can people find your work? Uh, I work for the Shield at University of Southern Indiana. So, we have a website. So. Yep, well, yep. You can find those in the description. Read her writing. She's good. She does good writing, y'all. Oh, and you know me, you can follow uh, you can follow my YouTube page and you can follow 
uh, Twitter and stuff like that. But more, most importantly, you can follow us uh, on Twitter at Pink Isle Pod, uh, where you can receive latest updates on episodes, Barbie trivia, and various other good old things so you can be in touch with this. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And, you know, give, give Henry's work a look because you got some really good work. Oh, thanks. This is this is a very mutually appreciative thing. Yes, but we can we can even sing a song later about how we're practically the same if you think about it. Yes, there's totally nothing different about us. No. Let's just totally ignore the societal differences between you a not-straight woman, and me, a straight cis man. Yeah. (laughs) There's, we're just like each other. Because we both write. Yeah. Well. (laughs) Solidarity. Solidarity. (laughs) But uh, until next time, thank you as always for listening to us. Uh, We hope you enjoyed this episode. So we'll see you later. All right. Goodbye. Have a good night to our friends in Canada. Yes, to to the people listening in Canada. Okay. We appreciate you. Yes, definitely. Okay, goodbye. Bye. (laughs)